word tonight to that familiar passage again, and if you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn to this passage. It's Luke chapter 2. We're just going to read verses 13 and 14 tonight, as that is our text. For those of you who are visiting, we've been having a series of messages on angels. Uh, This will be a message of bringing that sermon series to a conclusion. Pray that uh, for those of you who have been here, it has indeed been a blessing and perhaps an eye-opening or perhaps better way of stating it, a scripture-opening experience for you as we have uh, seen how often in God's Word uh, He makes use of these messengers, these worshipers of His, uh, in so many ways in the lives of God's people and all for His glory and for His honor. Let me also say uh, I, I am uh, a little bit overcome by seeing how many of you are here tonight. Um, I was not expecting this, and so thank you. Um, not for myself, but I think uh, on behalf of the elders, on behalf of one another, it is indeed good to be in the house of God this evening. And uh, I have a special privilege, my whole family's here tonight, so... Uh, That doesn't happen that often, so uh, it is indeed good to be here. Thank you. Verses 13 and 14, and I invite you to keep that scripture open tonight as well. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's bow in prayer again as we ask for God's blessing. Our dear Heavenly Father, again, we're here celebrating the birth of your Son, our Savior. And Lord, I know we do it on Christmas because that's the focus. But Lord, in reality, we should be focusing on you every single day of every single week of each year. It is something that we should have in our hearts. It is something that we should be praying to you about constantly, whether we're traveling down the highway, whether we're at home, wherever. Lord, it is something that we need to bury deep in our hearts so that we understand what it is you have done for us. We pray that you will give Pastor Bob the words that he needs to speak to us, We pray that you will give him clarity of of voice, clarity of words, and just help him. And we're talking about angels, Lord. We just pray that you'll put your angels around him so that they will guide him and that he will know that they are there as well as for us. We just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Three things from those two verses. First of all, the suddenness of them. Scripture calls our attention to that. Suddenly. The second thing is that there is a host of them. And thirdly, the message that comes by them. The suddenness of them, the host of them, and the message that is by them. Now when you look at this text, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying. 
you know, there's a question that kind of comes to mind, especially as we've been going through this series of angels where it seems that suddenly they're making an appearance, whether it's in a jail cell, whether it's in the desert with Christ, whether it's at the Garden of Gethsemane, whether it's at the rock or the tomb, or whether it's at the Mount of Ascension. Suddenly seems to be a word that just kind of keeps coming back. And yet the question is, is the, which of the two is this? Were they there, just unseen? Or is it the fact that they came in an instant and appeared? Actually, from the, the text itself, we'd have no way of determining that. And so both are, are actually worthy of our consideration to stop and to think about. Because either way, it is indeed a comfort. Suddenly, suddenly, there was with the singular angel a multitude of the heavenly host. How often is it not perhaps that we too do not see those that surround us? Remember there is the story in the Old Testament of the prophet who, who had to pray in regard to his servant that his eyes would be opened and then his eyes are opened because the prophet had said there are more with us than the enemy that surrounds us and the servant is mystified by that because he cannot see them. But when his eyes are opened he sees the host of heaven and he realizes that that which was prior unseen by him existed the whole time. Perhaps you've never thought about that in the, in the context of this passage. That those angels that suddenly appear had been there the whole time. And that those angels that suddenly appear here in Luke chapter 2 are actually with us all the time. But we don't see them with the human eye because they are those who are beyond time and space. They are behind, beyond our comprehension to, to fully understand, to fully take in. They're not limited, you see, as we are by this physical human body. They are created beings, spiritual in their being. And so you see, whether it's they're there and the shepherds simply don't see them until the moment that God opens their eyes so that they can, be, he, they can behold his messengers. Or whether it be the fact that in a moment, in an instant, or as we read in another passage, in the twinkling of an eye, these angelic messengers have come from the presence of God to these poor shepherds in a moment, in an instant, so that the only way to describe it is suddenly. Suddenly. Because you see, they can do such. 
They can be in heaven at one moment and they can be here amongst us at another. That is the way that angels work. That is the way that God has created them. That is what God gives them the capability of doing. And what a comfort that is. That as we live our lives from day to day, God gives these angels charge over us. So that what is unseen by us is taking place all the time. Surrounded by a multitude of heavenly hosts. Or in a moment, in an instant, God sending them to us. In our lives. What a comforting thought that is. To be a child of God, surrounded by his love and mercy and grace. But as we learned this morning, today a savior. Today a protector. Today a guardian. One who will keep, one who will preserve. And Christ gives to his angels charge to guard, protect, to keep, to watch over. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And that's the second thing to consider here, the host of them. Not just the suddenness, whether it's having their eyes open to see, or whether it's in the moment, in the instant that they came. The fact that, that it's not a few. We've had one, we've had the appearance of one who has brought the good news. That appearance was a glorious message. But now comes the host of them. And you see, we need to understand the term that's being used here. The word host, as it is used here, is a military term. Stratea, such as we would use strategy, military strategy, military planning. This is the army of the great king. These are soldiers who are ready to fight. These are God's spiritual creatures, robed, clothed for battle. I think a number of years ago I, I preached a, a whole sermon more upon that idea of the concept of the host. And I, I said, you know, so often, so often. You know, we as Christians and the, the church in general grow so soft. You know, we want angels to be so nice and cuddly. We want them to have nice flowing blonde hair. So much so that sometimes we perhaps wonder when we look at the pictures, are these men or are these women? So soft we, we become. Well, of course God would would send creatures like that, would he not, to announce the birth of the baby? 
No, how about a military force? A military force that is going to guard and protect from Caesar Augustus, from Herod, from the devil himself. A military force that is ready for battle. Not only to guard and protect the little child of Bethlehem as if he needed that, but a reminder to the shepherds, a visual display to the shepherds that the Lord is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of a military group. Oh yes, there are angels that we read in Scripture who stand before the presence of God singing and praising and glorifying His name. But God here is giving to us another visual, another picture, a word picture by which we can seek to understand not only the role, not only the role of angels in our life, but a message about the child that is born. This is Christ the Savior, yes. But this is Christ the King. This is Christ the Ruler. This is Christ the Sovereign. It is to that, you see, that Isaiah 9 is speaking to us. If you remember that when I read it a few moments ago, it's all termed in military terms. Warriors, clothes. Rolled, garments rolled in blood. The titles that are given are titles that remind us of the fact that the child, the son that is given, is the child that needs to be protected and guarded. Oh, not because he's weak and helpless, but so that we understand and grasp If you think of nations in the world that still have those monarchies, as our brother reminded us of a few weeks ago, you think of the fact that when children who are to inherit the throne of that nation are born, they are guarded immediately, protected immediately. The secret service is small in comparison to that which is done. God here himself testifies of the kingship of his son. I send a military host. I, seek an I send angels prepared for battle. And I send a multitude of them. Notice verse 13 again. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. The host is yes a military term but we also have a numerical term mentioned here. The multitude. The plethos from which we get plenteous and abundant. A great number. If you turn in your scriptures to uh, keep your finger here, go back to Psalm 68. We, we have a description of this in, in the poetic language of the psalm. 
Psalm 68. The chariots of God are twice 10,000. Thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Some versions, I believe, use the term, the chariots of God are 10,000 times 10,000. They give the idea more that this is a multiplication problem. So do the math. Take 10,000 times 10,000. What do you get? You know what the number is? A hundred million. Think of this. You're, in a, you're a shepherd. In the fields around Bethlehem. Suddenly not only is there the glory of God shining around you. Not only is there an angelic messenger speaking to you. But then, suddenly, appears this military host. A hundred million angels. What did you think there was? What did you think God would send to announce the birth of his son? What do you think the father would do? Send ten? Hundred? Thousand? Hebrews chapter 1 contains a, an interesting text. In Hebrews 1 verse 6 it reads, And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world. Notice the context. When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels Worship him. When he brings the firstborn, when Jesus is born, let all God's angels worship him. See, folks, what we have to stop and consider here is heaven is emptied. God sends all his angels. Go down there. Announce the birth of my son. A hundred million? Probably more. Heaven, empty yourself. Go down there. Announce my son's birth. He's not holding back, is he? No more than any one of us. When our child is born, we get on the phone. Mom, Dad, we had a baby girl. Mom, Dad, we had a baby boy. We call friends, we call relatives. We take a picture. We send it around the world. Do you think that the father who loves his son with infinite, eternal love, 
was going to do any less. Go. Let all the angels of God worship Him. Changes the picture a little bit, doesn't it? From a nice little choir up there in the clouds to an army of a hundred million plus who have come to bring glory to the king. What a comfort. See, not only is the suddenness of them a comfort, so is the host of them. Of what do we need to be afraid? Some president of North Korea? Who is he to the host of heaven? we really need to be afraid of the army of Russia? Open your eyes. Open your eyes, believer. See the host of heaven that surrounds God's people, that guards his church, that guards his beloved. Oh, what a treasure we have. What a blessing we have. That when the Herods of this world seek to destroy our souls, God says, no way. You cannot touch my beloved ones. But you see, you need to be in that number. You need to be part, not just physically present in a pew, not just giving some verbal assent to some questions, but you need to be a part of the body of Christ. And you see, that's what brings us to the message then. When suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I want you to notice two things about the message that these angelic messengers bring. One, it is a reminder of the purpose that this whole thing serves. It's not to make a cute little story. It's not so Hallmark and other card companies and other retailers can make buco bucks off us. All of this, you see, is for the glory of God. The birth of this child is for the glory of God. Jesus himself, John chapter 17, reminds us of that. Listen to these words. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. 
since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. From his birth, it's about bringing glory to the Father. The purpose of His work is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His mission is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His words is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His suffering is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His death is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His resurrection is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His ascension is to bring glory to the Father. The purpose of His reign is to bring glory to the Father. It is no wonder that the angels come with a message, glory to God. This is the purpose of the baby's birth. It is not an event in and of itself. It is not a singular moment in the sense, oh, it's all about the baby being born. No. It's bigger than that. It's wider than that. It's deeper than that. It's about glory to the Father. Glory to God in the highest. And this is the call, you see that goes out to those who know the peace, who know the favor of God, who know God's grace, we too, you see, are called to that. Just as Christ prays there, Lord, Father, as I have brought you glory, that's why you and I are here. It's not about us. It's not even about our happiness. It's not even about our joy. It's about glory to God. So our Westminster Catechisms begin with that great question, right? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of our existence? What is the chief end of man? First words, to glorify God. Why is this baby born? To glorify God. Why did Christ take on flesh? To glorify God. The angels come announcing to us this is the reason that this is happening. And that glory to God is to be in the highest. Commentators are divided on this one. They're divided on whether or not in the highest deals with the location of God. That as God exists in the highest of heavens, as you know in the, the Jewish frame of thing, there were three levels of heaven. There is the, the level of heaven in which the birds fly, the birds fly in the heavens, the stars are in the heavens, but then there is the heaven of heavens, the place where God exists. Glory to God in the highest. May the glory that God receives 
be in the highest. May it reach the heaven of heavens. May the songs of praise reach heaven. Some commentators will tell you it also simply means this in the superlative. That the glory that God is to be given is the glory of our best. We are not to give God weak glory. We are not to give God half-hearted glory. We are not to give God a fainted attempt. We are to give God glory in the highest, in all that we do. In all that we do, in the callings, in our occupations, in our cutting of the board, in the putting up the piece of siding, in the click of the keyboard, in the lesson that is taught, in the food that is prepared, in the child that is raised. In the math that is done, that we do all to the very best, into the superlative, in the highest, that God deserves the greatest of praise that can be given. Glory to God in the highest is the message of this army. Of a hundred million plus. This is the call that is to resound around the world. This is the call of the, that resounds to the universe. Sun, give glory to God in the highest. Moon, give glory to God in the highest. Stars, give glory to God in the highest. Mankind, give glory to God in the highest. And on earth, Peace on whom his favor rests. It's a pretty poor translation that would leave us with the idea that somehow this peace goes to all men. It's a nice universalistic way of looking at life. You see, you don't have to know Christ. You don't have to, everybody just gets the peace of Christmas. That's not the message of the angels. The message that these angels are bringing is the message that the peace that comes through this king, this king whose birth we are now announcing, is by grace, on whom his favor rests, on whom his undeserved love is poured out. See, that peace is possible only by Christ. So many in our world would pass that by. So many would, would look at this and say, well, of course, I can have peace, but I can find it in Buddha. I can find peace in this, and I can find peace in that. The message of this heavenly host is that, no, the peace comes only through Christ. It is the only means. It is through His work, through this King's life, through this king's coming into the world, through this king's living, that life of perfect obedience, through this king's sacrificial death upon the cross, through this king's substitution of himself in my place, only through this king is there peace. 
There is to be found no peace in any other king, any other means. And it is by God's grace that he sends us this Christ, his only begotten Son. For God so loved us that he gave us his Son. He gave us peace through his work. But it's also peace only in Christ. See, that's, that's, that, what I just said is a theological, biblical, doctrinal fact. But knowing the fact does not bring you into the kingdom of Christ. Even the devil believes and shudders. Even the demons understand this and they shudder. It is not that we know some sort of head knowledge about that which Christ has come to do. It's that we know it in our hearts by faith. It is a peace in Christ. In our relationship with Christ. Through the faith that God gives to us by grace. Because faith is a gift from God. This too is grace. And so the question we have to ask ourselves again. Is have we gone to Bethlehem? Have we gone to Bethlehem and see the child? See the baby that has been born. Have we been there in faith? Trusting. This is my Savior. This is my Lord. This is the one who died in my place. This is the one who has fully paid for all of my sin. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how many there are in this world who are going to pause tomorrow. They'll gladly take the holiday. They'll gladly not show up to work. They'll gladly say something about this is Christmas and they have no concept who it is that's in that danger. But you do, do you not, brother and sister in Christ? You know. You know this is no ordinary child. You know that this, this is Christ the King. This is Christ the King of peace. And he rules and he reigns your heart and your life. And God says, now you and I are at peace. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. He has reconciled us to the Father. So that regardless of what other calamities are going on, it's probably you go to family gatherings tomorrow and you, you have to sit through it all again, all the, the family turmoil and chaos and all the stuff that goes on. You have peace. Peace with your Father in heaven because of the babe, the King 
perspective. It is peace by Christ. It is peace in Christ. And it is peace only through Christ. It is Christ who says, when I go, I'll send you my spirit. And when the spirit comes, we acknowledge in Galatians that Paul says, the gifts of the spirit are these, love, joy, and peace. That peace is the relationship peace. And that is the promised gift of Christ who is indeed the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace, who is able to guard and protect and to keep that peace. A hundred million armed angels remind us that he's able to keep the peace. Remember when, when uh, we went in a number of years ago under the first George Bush, we went into Iraq, we got rid of that revolutionary guard, we got rid of Saddam Hussein. Were we able to keep the peace? Well, let's think about the 3,000 men and women who have died since then. Were we able to keep the peace? How many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have been tortured and killed? Were we able to keep the peace? No. No government, no human government, no human being. But you see, you and I are members of another kingdom. A kingdom whose king keeps the peace. What a blessing it is to hear the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor, his grace rests. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the gift of your son, the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we celebrate this glorious incarnation, we would ask again, Father, that you would open our hearts, open our minds to the truth of the babe of Bethlehem, the King of peace, in whom we live and move and have our being forever and ever and ever. And all God's people say, Amen. Let's stand.